This episode discusses depression and suicide. Listen with care. If you or someone you know is having thoughts of suicide, call or text 988 to reach the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline or go to speakingofsuicide.com forward slash resources for a list of additional resources. If you know someone who's depressed, please resolve never to ask them why. Depression isn't a straightforward response to a bad situation. Depression just is, like the weather. That's a quote from Stephen Fry, comedian, writer, who struggles with bipolar depression. If you've never experienced true depression, count your blessings because it's a deep, dark, empty feeling. It's certainly no feeling a parent wants for their child. And unfortunately, too many teens are in the middle of that darkness and don't know how they're ever going to emerge. We discussed the signs and symptoms of adolescent depression back in episode 51. You may want to go back to that episode first and have a listen before coming back here. And if your teen exhibits more than a couple of those symptoms from episode 51 for a couple of weeks or just one symptom that's really worrisome, you can't sit around hoping they'll just get better on their own. You have to make the first move to help them. Trust your gut. If they seem depressed, they're likely depressed. They need your support now, and they need you to make sure that they get the kind of help that they need. This week on Speaking of Teens, I'm talking to you about what you can do to support your teen who's experiencing depression. First of all, the most important point I think I can make today is that when your teen is experiencing depression, they need your empathy. If you're not empathetic, if you don't understand what they're going through, can't see it from their point of view and and take it seriously, you're not going to be able to help them and things can escalate out of control quickly. You need to understand that depression is serious. It's not just a matter of them feeling down. It's not something they chose for themselves. Again, go back and listen to episode 51 about the myths and the signs and the symptoms. So as their parent, And the person who can get them the help they need, you have to start from a place of empathy. And this can be really difficult, especially if they're acting out in anger, being less than loving to you, causing disruption in the household, using alcohol or drugs to self-medicate and refusing to accept help. It's easy to feel that they don't really want to get better, that they're not trying to get better, that they'd rather just stay stuck. But just know, trust this, they do not want to feel this way. They want to feel better, but they just don't know how. And they may not know how to show it or to tell you that they want to be better. And you just can't go in all guns a-blazing and tell them how to get better. That's just going to make things worse. You have to remember that you are the adult here. You have a full-grown brain, and they don't. This is your baby, and they're hurting and struggling to hold it together. They don't understand what's going on in their mind, and they don't think you or anyone else could possibly understand. They likely feel 
all alone in this and they don't think they'll ever feel any better. It's a horrible, horrible feeling. It's so scary for them. Keep reminding yourself that it's absolutely not their fault that they feel this way. It's not a character flaw. They're not weak or crazy and they can't just snap out of it or cheer up. Remind yourself of that constantly. Tell yourself that it's up to you to get them the help they need and to get them to accept that help. Without you right now, they likely won't get better. Okay, so first, you're going to need to talk to them about what's going on. And it's super important that you approach this the right way, or you'll shut down communication before it starts. But a word of caution here, you're going to need to manage your own emotions. I know how hard it is not to be sad that your teen's struggling. How hard it is not to get right in there with them if you have that tendency, like I did. But that's not going to help your teen or you or the rest of the family. Remember, you have to be there for them. And if you fall apart, you can't help them. So make sure you can keep it together before you try to talk to them about this. Now, the way you can start is start out by telling them what you've noticed going on. Actually, this technique is something that you can use for any behavior that troubles you about your teen. You just simply describe to them exactly what you've noticed. Like, I've noticed you've been staying home a lot lately, or I've noticed you're having a really hard time sleeping lately, or I've noticed you seem really sad lately. And follow that statement up with, do you want to tell me what's going on? Be gentle and compassionate and show with your tone and expression that you care, that you're not upset with them or scolding them. A hand on their shoulder or on their back will provide a little oxytocin to their brain and let them feel that connection in that moment. You're not drawing attention to the negative here or making things worse by getting them to open up and talk. A lot of people feel that just ignoring their mood will help them get over it. That's the opposite of true. They need someone to listen and hear them out. They need to feel someone is interested in how they feel and takes them seriously and wants to understand. Hopefully, they'll open up a little bit and tell you why they're having such a hard time, but they may not be able to really articulate it. They may not even know or understand it themselves. Sit there with them and see if they can come up with the words. Don't push them or press them or keep asking them questions at this point. Don't jump in with suggestions on how to fix it. If they need to just sit and cry, hold them while they cry and assure them you're going to get them the help that they need. If they do open up and give you some insight on what's going on or what may have triggered their depression, listen attentively. Don't interrupt. Show them you're interested in every word. If your instinct is to think what they're saying is silly or overblown or dramatic, don't dare show that. It's obviously serious to them, enough so that they're in this state, and that's all that matters. You can reflect what you hear them say, and you can summarize it, but be sure to use some of their own words. For example, I get it. You feel sort of lost and unattached to anyone right now and like everything's lost its color. 
they need to know you understand what they're saying to them. Now, you may have the urge to tell them that you felt this way before or you went through something similar at their age. That's probably not going to be very helpful at this point, and it may even agitate them. In their mind, what they're going through right now is different than what anyone else has ever felt, certainly different from anything you've ever felt. Now, but do validate their feelings. Let them know you understand they're in pain, that they feel deep sadness. Don't try to cheer them up. Don't tell them it's not as bad as they think or tell them not to worry or that all kids go through this or make light of it or tell them that they just need to do X, Y, Z and they'll feel better. They don't want to hear that and it won't help at all. Saying anything like that will make them feel that you're not taking them seriously, that you don't believe that this is a real problem for them. It'll make them feel like you just think they're being silly or exaggerating things. They'll feel totally invalidated, just the opposite of what they need from you right now. You want them to trust that they can tell you these things, that they see you as their ally on their side. Think about how you would want someone talking to you in a moment like this. Do tell them, though, next, what is concerning you about what you see. And use I statements like, I worry that, I'm concerned that. Make sure to talk to them in a loving and non-judgmental way without lecturing, criticizing, or blaming them. They already feel horrible, and this is just going to make it worse. You might say something like, I just hate seeing you so down and not being with your friends anymore. Or I'm just really worried that you're spending so much time alone. But that's where it ends. This isn't a lecture. You're telling them your concerns, not what you think they should do about it, and certainly not what you think they've done to cause it. Something like, you know, if you just spend or wouldn't spend so much time on your phone or on social media or with this person or doing that thing, they don't need to feel judged or shamed or criticized right now. Whether they'll talk to you about it or not, it's time to get them some professional help. Adolescent depression is not something you can take care of on your own. If it's gone on for like those couple of weeks at least, and it's interfering with any aspect of their daily life, seek help as soon as possible. You can call your pediatrician and make an appointment and also ask them for a recommendation to a child and adolescent therapist, because it takes weeks sometimes, maybe even months, depending on where you live, to get in to see a specialist, a therapist that works with adolescents. So I would go ahead and make that appointment and you can always cancel it if it turns out you don't need it later, but make that appointment and go in to see the pediatrician. So in the meantime, you go see the pediatrician and let them conduct a depression screening. It's basically just a simple questionnaire and your pediatrician may suggest that they don't need to see a therapist and that you just need to support them at home. And that's what I suggest in this episode. I'm going to go through all those things. And they may say, you know, just monitor them closely. They may suggest that if they don't improve or if it gets worse, that you then go see a therapist or even that they go on medication. Luckily, you will have already made that appointment with a the therapist. And frankly, 
I think you go with your gut. If you feel they need to see someone, then let's keep that appointment. You might rather have your child evaluated by an adolescent psychologist or a psychiatrist, but those folks are really hard to come by these days, and it can take months and months to get in to see one. Listen to Episode 7 of the podcast to learn more about what the different mental health professionals do. The important thing is to get in to see someone as soon as possible and start the ball rolling. If gone untreated, adolescent depression can lead to all sorts of other issues like substance abuse, self-harm, and even suicide. So don't delay getting that help. And if your child makes any type of suicide threat, take it seriously and get them help immediately via your hospital's emergency room. If they won't go with you, call 911, tell them what's going on, and ask for assistance. You should take every single hint of suicidal ideation or threats very seriously. Again, go back and listen to Episode 7. I also have the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry's Parents Medication Guide that you can download directly from the show notes for this episode. It's a very good, comprehensive guide on adolescent depression and suicide risk as well. But I also recommend that you get information from a variety of reputable sources, and I'll have a list of those in the show notes. Now, what if your teen refuses to go to a therapist? Therapy can't work without a willing participant, and often teens simply aren't willing. They may not think they need any help. They may think it's just the way they are and that there's no way they can change. Maybe they've been to therapy before and it feels like it didn't really work and they just have no hope that this is going to work for them. Or maybe they don't believe in antidepressants and they don't want to take the medication. Maybe they're embarrassed. You know, whatever it is, they may just simply refuse to go. And then you've got to figure out what to do. So you really need to understand why it is that they don't want to go before you can address it with them. And with teens, you've got to remember that it's super important that you support their autonomy, their need to have a say in their own life, unless you want to cause conflict and damage to your relationship. Threatening or trying to force them to go isn't going to do much good, since again, they need to participate in the therapy and be willing to get it. So in this situation, you might say to your teen, tell me what you think about going to see a therapist to help you with this and how you're feeling right now. Listen to everything they say without interrupting them. Reflect back what they say. Then next, address the issues that they brought up. If there are things they misunderstand about getting therapy, you can explain it to them. Um, and then tell them why you think it's important that they go, just like we did before. You, you know, listen to what they have to say, then you give your concerns. Explain to them you want them to get better. You know that therapy can help with depression. It's been shown to work with adolescents. Ask them if they'll brainstorm some ideas with you to see if you can work something out. Let them throw an idea out there first. Maybe they'll just want to choose when they go or who they go see which they should be allowed to do anyway, because that's part of supporting their autonomy. They should be able to have a say in who they go to and when they go. Maybe they'll want to go out of town so no one will see them, or maybe they'll want you to promise not to tell anyone that they're going, even teachers or friends, despite you're telling them that there's no stigma in seeking treatment. 
But right now, you need to do whatever it takes to get them there. Um, You know, just see if you can agree on anything to get them through that door the first time. And then the therapist is going to have to take it from there. Something else you can try is suggesting that the whole family go to counseling. Speak to a counselor in advance and tell them the issue that, you know, you can't talk your kid into going and see if you could just all go in together the first time. And then maybe they can separately take your teen and maybe even the other kids if you have other children and speak to each one of them separately. So, you know, the therapist can then kind of take it from there and get your teen to come in alone Sometimes if someone feels singled out for therapy, knowing that the whole family is going could really help them get in the door. You can also approach it by asking your teen if there's anything about their life right now that they'd like to change. Maybe they'd like to be able to listen in class better or make more friends or have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. These are issues that could be discussed in therapy in the context of the depression. These are things that maybe would help them get through the door again, and then the therapist could take it from there. And if they don't mesh with the first therapist they go see, that's okay. Tell them that you'll take them to another therapist. You'll find someone else. Something else you can do is make an appointment with the therapist yourself and go in first and talk to them and get their input and how to get your teen in there the first time. Many times after that initial session, there won't be a problem anymore going back if your teen really likes them. Hey there, real quick, I want you to know about something that if you're anything like me, an anxious ADHD overthinker, you may really need. It's my free guide, Emotional Awareness Strategies. Being emotionally aware is the key to managing your emotions with your kids or anyone else. Inside, I talk to you about the common thinking traps, being able to differentiate between your emotions, and the importance of mindfulness. If you're a yeller, lecturer, crier, or punisher, you need this guide. The link is at the very bottom of the episode description where you're listening. Back to the show. So what does your teen need from you while you're waiting to get them in to see the doctor or a therapist or while they're under active monitoring by the pediatrician? The most important thing they need at the beginning and throughout their recovery is to know to their core that you're there to support them unconditionally, that you're not angry with them for feeling and acting the way they are, that you're not disappointed in them or ashamed of their behavior or think that they're overreacting. They may feel a lot of guilt or confusion about why they feel the way they feel. They may think, again, that no one else in the world feels this way. They may think they're going crazy. So put their mind at ease And let them know that you are there to help them through it and that you will find a way to help them through it. What else can you do? Let them know that depression is not their fault. Make sure they understand that depression can be genetic and environmental, that there are a lot of factors that go into it. 
So let them know it's like any other issue that you get help for them for, like a kidney stone or migraine headaches or broken leg, whatever. Let them know that they're not broken, but that they need help for this issue just like they would for any of those others. Another thing you can do is encourage socialization. Do what you can without scolding or fussing at them or making them feel judged or criticized to get them out of the house and with friends again. But here's the thing you need to understand. When you're depressed, often being around friends, people who are happy and having a good time, makes you feel really crappy. You look around at everyone else having a good time and you think, why can't I just feel that way? And it makes you even more sad. You can literally feel alone in a crowded room of people that you know. So maybe having just one friend over to your house so they feel comfortable in their own surroundings and they can maybe relate better to that one friend without feeling isolated among a group. It's a really delicate dance and you just have to be able to talk to them about it and see what they'd be comfortable with. If they try it either way and end up feeling worse, respect that that's not going to work right now and just get them into that therapist as soon as possible. But if hanging out with friends doesn't work, you can always try to get them out of the house just to go hang out with you a little bit. Take walks, go for drives, run to get their favorite treat together, but just don't be pushy about it. Instead of saying something like, you know, you've been in your room all day, come with me and let's go get lunch. You could say something like, I'm craving a giant salad for lunch. Want to come join me? Just make it casual. You may feel like you're not doing enough this way, but it is enough. Anything more will pit you against them and make it more of a tug of war. And you don't want that. Something else you can do to support them is to remember the magic ratio in the emotional bank account. Research shows that to maintain a stable, loving marital relationship, you need five positive interactions with your spouse to every one negative. Experts believe this applies to all relationships, including that with your teen. However, the teen brain tends to accentuate the negative, even interprets neutral expression, statements, tone as negative, especially when it's mom talking. So unfortunately, it appears that balancing out the negative with your teen requires a bit more doing. Dr. John Duffy talks about this in terms of the emotional bank account. Negative interactions are withdrawals and positive are deposits and the positives have to outweigh the negatives for you to have a positive emotional bank account with your teen. It may be that eight, 10 or more positive interactions are needed for every single negative encounter you have with your teen, depending on just how big that negative is. Every reminder, nagging as your kid sees it, Every time you scold them, say anything they interpret as critical or negative in any way requires a ton of positives to get you back in the black in that account. This is multiplied tenfold when your teen is showing signs of depression. When they're depressed, reminding them to do their homework or clean their room, go outside, get off the game, call a friend, even take a shower can come across as nagging and negative. You have to consider 
only what is truly crucial at this point. Is the room really that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things right now? Your kid's in pain. They're struggling to feel human right now. So be sure to put things in perspective and cut them a ton of slack. Their mental health is the top priority right now. You should concentrate as much as possible on whatever you can find that's positive about their very existence. If they got their homework done tonight, let them know you recognize that and know it wasn't easy for them. Did they take out the garbage? And yes, they're supposed to, but yay, they did it. Thank them. Did they run an errand for you? Give them a hug and tell them how much you appreciate it. But now don't start gushing about things that you've been wanting them to do. That's the quickest way to ensure that they don't do it again. Be careful. You know your kid. Just think. And remember your tone always and how you word things with them. Being demanding, raising your voice, making unilateral decisions is never a good way to parent a teen, but especially when they're experiencing the pain of depression Choose your words carefully and watch your tone. Remember to respect their autonomy, discuss, negotiate, hear them out on anything that concerns them. And I know how hard it can be to not get into arguments with your teen when they're depressed. Depression can cause them to act out in anger, to use substances, to get in trouble at school, And it's hard to look beyond that outward behavior and see the pain they're in. But just keep reminding yourself that what you see on the outside is not necessarily reflective of what they're feeling on the inside. Channel that empathy for them. Remind yourself daily that they do not mean to act this way. They want to feel better. That leads me to the next issue. We mentioned this in episode 51. Don't punish them for acting out. If they could act better right now, they would. The fact is, they don't have the capacity to do better. They don't want to feel this way. They don't want to act this way. Their brain is not finished yet. So it's really hard for them to use self-control. Getting angry and you know, raging out, that is par for the course with depression with teens. And while their emotions are so dysregulated during depression, and they are so confused about what they're feeling, punishment, which is never good for any teen, is going to only make matters worse. Consequences can be used if appropriate, but just be careful. Please go back and listen to episodes 15, 16, and 22. Another thing you can do is make time to talk and connect with them daily. Talking about how they're feeling is not going to make matters worse. Giving them the opportunity to share how their day went or what things made them feel bad or upset them will help them process those feelings. Not talking about it will not make it go away. They need to feel you care, so check in with them daily. And avoid the generic, how was your day, or how was school today? Ask them to tell you how they felt sitting in the classroom today. How was walking through the halls? Ask them how they felt at lunch. Did they feel up to talking to anyone? 
a ride in the car is always good for a chat like this or a walk around the block. Anything you can do to take the pressure off of them making eye contact is good. Okay, another issue is social media. I think social media can cut both ways with teens who are depressed. If you know that their social media is making their depression worse, then talk to them about the specifics. Maybe there are accounts they shouldn't follow for a while, or maybe they can turn off notifications during certain times of the day or night. But on the other hand, social media may be keeping them in touch with friends that they just don't feel like they can be around in person right now. It's important for them to get back out there with friends, but if they simply refuse, limiting their time with friends on social media could make things worse. This is something you'll need to discuss with them and with their counselor or therapist once they get involved. Now, here are a few more very generic suggestions that could work with a kid who's just really feeling down, and it could work with a kid who's experiencing real depression, but... I know from my own experience that once your child is in the depths of depression, it's really hard to get them interested in much of anything, but never hurts to try. Also, I've heard therapists say that in some situations, offering a bribe may not be such a bad thing. When you're talking about your child's mental health, promising them a new game or a hoodie to get them to try something a couple of times, especially if it ends up helping, it can't be a bad thing. So... Try some of these things, see if they work. See if you can get them involved in a new activity. Sometimes trying something new, like being around new people, could be what it takes to let them see things a little differently. They could pick up a new hobby or do something they've always been interested in but never tried it. Maybe there's something you could do as a family that they're interested in. Helping someone else is usually great for feeling better about your own life, too. I've seen my family members do a complete 180 once they started volunteering for something. So this is something to really consider. Again, you could do volunteer work as a family. Be sure and ask first. Don't just sign them up for something without discussing it and giving them options of different things they could do. And then another thing is, and this, everyone knows this, but it's true, exercise has been shown to help with depression if you can get them going. Maybe a gym membership or, again, something they've never tried before, like rock climbing or tennis or hip-hop dance lessons. It could be anything as long as they're moving and it's outside the house. And bonus points if they're out there meeting new people. And then these two things seem so basic, but it can't be overstated how important diet and sleep are. Eating processed foods and refined sugars can really mess with their energy and their mood. Try to focus on healthy meals now even more. Making sure they have some protein in the morning and get some fresh fruits and vegetables in, if at all possible, it can really make a difference. And sleep is actually a huge issue. It can be really difficult to go to sleep when you're depressed. The thoughts all start sneaking in at night when you lie down and you turn the lights out. And even that part of the day can be more depressing than others. Be aware of this and talk to them about it. Maybe they could benefit from a mindfulness app like Calm, a little brown noise or nature sounds, or even a guided sleep meditation. 
and you can actually learn how to talk them to sleep with a guided meditation. I used to help my son this way. If you'll download my free guide called Emotional Awareness Strategies, it's right there in the description where you're listening. There are some good resources for you there that can help. Do whatever you can do to help them get between nine and 10 hours of sleep a night, if at all possible. I have all sorts of information, too, in another guide on teen sleep. It's, again, right there in the free guides where you're listening in the description. It's called Why Doesn't My Teen Sleep? So grab that one as well. And, of course, always be there with your support. Make sure they feel your love every single day. They need to hear it, and they need to feel it. Hugs and kisses in abundance. If they're not open to that, even a pat on the back or a touch on the shoulder can convey that you care. Another thing, remember to be patient and understanding. They're not depressed on purpose. They're suffering and in pain and don't think they'll ever feel better. So be patient with them. Work on your emotional awareness and regulation. Exploding at them will only make matters worse. Tell them you're not going anywhere, that you plan to get them through this. And know that no one's mental health recovery is the same. So don't compare them to anyone else. Setbacks are normal and no one's fault. Just keep moving forward. You may need to switch therapists if you just don't click with them or they don't click with them or change medications if the first one doesn't help. This is just part of the process. Do not get discouraged. Another thing Stay on top of their treatment. Make sure your teen makes all appointments, takes the medication as recommended, and follows any other instructions issued by their provider. Teens are still not good at this, so you have to help. And especially with medication, even taking it a few hours past the time they were supposed to take it can give them some really odd or uncomfortable side effects. And give them lots of hope. When someone is in the middle of depression, it seems impossible to imagine that they'll ever feel better again. Talk to them about that. Let them know that's normal to feel that way and that it won't last forever and that you're going to make sure of that. Tell them it may not happen overnight, but that it will absolutely happen and they can look forward to that. And then don't forget to take care of yourself. You can't help them If you're falling apart yourself, see your friends, go out, go run, go to your yoga class. If nothing else, go sit at Starbucks for a few minutes alone. You have to stay mentally and physically healthy to help your kids stay healthy. Put that oxygen mask on first. And if you're having a hard time, ask friends and family to pitch in. With multiple kids, you may need help with activities or even with meals. Your friends want to help you and may not know what to say, so let them help you the way they know how. Another thing, make sure that your other kids know what's going on in terms that they can understand. If you have younger kids, there's no reason to try and hide anything from them. They can see that something's up and they may end up more worried if you try to act like it's something they should be shielded from. Just don't do that. They need to know the truth. Explain what's going on as clearly and as honestly as you can. They may actually be able to help. 
If you're not spread too thin, see if you can spend a little time with the other kids one-on-one each week so they don't feel ignored. And if things start to be too stressful on you or any member of the family, family counseling or individual counseling might be warranted. And also, watch out and don't let blame sneak in. It can be easy for us to blame ourselves or our spouse or our mother-in-law or the kids down the street for what's going on with our teen. Be careful about that. Depression is multifaceted and likely not one person's fault, except in cases of abuse or neglect. Especially when it comes to your spouse, your ex-spouse, co-parent, you two need to be on the same page right now and be on the same team. You need to help each other through it rather than being at each other's throats. Blame will not get your kid better. Now, here's what I want you to take away from this episode. If your teen exhibits more than a couple of those signs and symptoms from episode 51 for two weeks or more, you need to have a discussion with them if you haven't already. Let them know you're there for them and get them in to at least see their pediatrician and get a recommendation for a child and adolescent therapist. Keep an open mind about the possibility of medication, which I also discussed in detail in episode 51. Your kid needs all the love, patience, empathy, and support you can muster right now. They don't want to feel this way. They're not acting like this on purpose. They may have lost hope that they can feel better, and they need to know you're not giving up until they do. Thank you so much for being here and listening to the show. It means the world to me. Go to neuragility.com forward slash 53 for links to all the resources I mentioned in the episode along with the transcript. And if you know of another mom whose teen may be struggling with depression, please share this episode with her. And stay tuned for the announcement that the Facebook group is ready. I need to get a few more things ready and organized, but I'm looking so forward to meeting you and doing Facebook lives and so much more. Speaking of Teens is sponsored by Neuroagility.com, where I help moms build stronger relationships and decrease conflict with their teens. Our producer and editor is Steve Coleman, researched, written, and hosted by me, Ann Coleman. Until next time. Go hug your teenager.